For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall never be shaken. How long will you assail a person? Will you batter your victim, all of you, as you would a leaning wall, a tottering fence? Their only plan is to bring down a person of prominence. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor. My mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord, for you repay to all according to their work. Good morning, and welcome to today's Park at Home video worship experience again. We're so happy to see you. My name is Matt. I am a associate pastor here at Park Church, and it's my pleasure to be able to speak with you this morning. I want to start with a question. Can you think of a time in your life where it feels like, like you've been shaken? Like the ground that you stand on that you thought was firm has turned out not to be so firm, like your foundations have been rocked quite a bit. Can you think of a time like that? It could be someone who you counted on, someone who you trusted in, who let you down terribly, and it just, it just rocked you. It could be something that you worked really, really hard for, and you feel like you were reaching out to get it, and you almost had it in your hands. Maybe you had it in your hands, and it slipped through your hands, and it left you empty, and it left you wondering, and it left you just rocked to your foundation. I know that for a lot of us, this pandemic has been just that. It has been a time where we feel shaken, and it makes sense that we feel that way. Because in so many ways, the things that we're used to, the things that we've built our lives around, the things that we've put an enormous amount of trust and confidence in, just aren't there for us in the way that we're used to. And it's rocked a lot of us, and it's understandable. For some of us, I know that we counted on there to be an income available for us, and that income has been in doubt, and we've sort of, you know, shaped our lives around making that kind of money. For a lot of us, we're not used to worrying about our health. We're not used to worrying about the health of our loved ones, of of our family, of our parents, of our grandparents. And now we're walking about our day worried in some sense. I know for a lot of us, it's really just like the routine that we're used to, it's been, it's been shaken. Because, you know, we're used to 
going there to get our coffee and we're used to doing this thing for fun and we're used to going to work and having that commute to kind of decompress or to get yourself pumped up to go to work. We're used to being able to take a break. We're used to being able to go out and do things that are fun. We're used to sports. We're used to going out for dinner. We're used to all kinds of things that just aren't available to us right now. And they're things that on their own may not be huge things, but when you put them all together, these are the things that are kind of the safety net, kind of the cushion for our lives, that kind of make our lives comfortable, that make us able to manage our lives. Even if for you, this thing has been smooth sailing and you've been good to go, I'm sure for all of us, we have been able to, you know, remember times in our lives where it feels like we've been shaken, where our foundation, the ground we stand on, isn't as solid as we thought it was. And if that's where you are this morning, or if that's where you've been, if not, you'll be there someday, I have a perfect psalm for you. It's called a psalm of confidence, a psalm of trust, a psalm that confesses and celebrates um, how much confidence we ought to be able to put in God so that regardless of what's happening in our lives, we're not shaken. Our faith is not shaken. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of faith that I want. That's the kind of life that I want. One that's not dependent on my circumstances or things going well for me. I mean, I want a faith that's good even when things aren't good, right? I want a faith that's good because God is good, not because my circumstances are good. If that's what you want this morning, I hope that's what you want today. This psalm is for you. We're in the middle of this series. It's called Drawing Near, Moving Closer to God While Far From Others. And while we can't be together, when we are socially distant, we can still draw near to God. And so throughout this season in our life together, or really apart, um, we're looking at seven different psalms in the Old Testament book of Psalms that represent seven different types, seven different genres of psalms that really run the gamut of emotion from, from the very high, things like thanksgiving and praise, to um, the very low, things like lament and struggle. This one, Psalm of Confidence, it kind of falls in the middle. And the thing that's so beautiful about these psalms, and we'll talk about this a little bit today, is that they're not just for when we're feeling the emotion, right? It's not just for when we're feeling trust or confidence in God, but it's for times that we're not. And so if you this morning are at a place where you are feeling shaken, this psalm is for you. And so let's get right into it. The psalm writer begins like this, and you heard Marty read it already. Doesn't he have a great British accent? I want him to narrate my life, but we'll keep going. The psalm writer says, Psalm 62, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall never be shaken. That's a picture of the faith that we all want, right? The sort of confidence, the trust in God that we all wish that we had. For God alone, my soul waits. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. The Hebrew word for alone in this psalm, it's repeated seven times. 
Seven times throughout these short 12 verses, it's repeated. And it kind of brings two things to mind. One is that God is enough. We don't need anything else because God is enough. He is my rock, my fortress, my salvation. He is enough. The second thing it brings to mind, though, is that there's probably something else here lurking that, we, that we're tempted to put our faith in, to put our trust and our confidence in, that when we do it, it actually leaves us empty. And we'll get to that a little later on. But he alone, a rock, our fortress, our salvation. This is a picture of the faith we all want. The issue, though, is that it's actually hard to feel this way, to experience this. It's, it's easy to read, easy to say, hard to actually experience. And that's what makes this psalm so powerful, is uh, the circumstance that this, song, that this psalm writer was in. He was not in a good place. He was under attack. He was under struggle. This was a time of trial, of, of testing, where he was feeling overloaded. Um, the next few verses we kind of read, he turns from this sort of declaration of trust in God. He turns from that to look at his enemies, to look at his attackers and say to them, guys, how long are you going to attack me? How long are you going to assault me like this? How long will you batter your victim? I'm like a I'm like a tottering fence. I'm like a leaning wall. The image here uh, is of an army that is rushing against a city wall to knock it over, to be able to attack that city. That's what this guy feels like. He's not going to be able to stand forever. The thing that makes this psalm so powerful is that even in a position like that, he still has trust in God. You know, he says, my soul waits in silence. The fact that his soul is waiting for the salvation to come means that it hasn't come yet. It means that he is stuck in this position and he can't find a way out of it. And I think for a lot of us right now in the midst of our pandemic or, you know, in the midst of any time that we feel shaken, it's a lot like that. We're stuck in the position and we can't figure out our way out of it. And yet he writes, my soul waits in silence, even in the face of these attackers. And this waiting in silence imagery, this is sort of um, kind of common biblical imagery. You'll see it throughout the Psalms. My soul rests in God. My soul waits for God. Be still and know that I am God. We actually heard about that Psalm just a few weeks ago now. One of the most kind of um, vivid moments where this waiting for God, this kind of holy inactivity um, is seen, is actually in the book of Exodus. And if you're not familiar with the book of Exodus, this is a story where God's people, Israel, are stuck as slaves in Egypt, right? They cry out to God to save them. Um, you know, plagues, Moses, let my people go. They come out of Egypt and they are kind of going across the desert to freedom. And the Egyptians are in hot pursuit and they're following him. Um, and they get to this body of water. They get to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden they realize we can't get past this. We can't get through this sea. We are stuck here. And the Egyptian army, they are hauling it, you know, guns blazing. Well, they didn't have guns, um, swords blazing. I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, they are coming to kill these, these Israelites. And the Israelites cry out to Moses. You know, they say to him, you know, sarcastically, were there not enough graves in Egypt that we have to come and die out here? They are terrified for their lives because they are stuck between um, a rock and a hard place. They're stuck between a sea and an army that's coming to kill them. 
And they cry out to Moses. And Moses says to them, listen to what Moses says. He says to them, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Can you imagine that? You have oncoming attackers. You cannot escape that way. You don't have to do anything. Just keep still. The Lord will fight for you. Can you imagine having that sort of peace, um, that sort of calmness, that sort of confidence in God, that God is so on your side, that God is so full of power, that God's steadfast love is so for you that you don't have to be afraid in the face of these oncoming attackers. Can you imagine a faith like that? Can you imagine a life like that? That's, that's the kind of faith, the sort of confidence and trust in God that Psalm 62 models for us and invites us into. The problem is, though, in the middle of that attack, right, in the middle of um, your hard place, in the middle of your shaky ground, right, it's hard to actually feel that way, to actually experience that. How do we come to have that sort of trust? That's the question. Well, the psalm writer continues. The next thing he says, and it's not reflected in this English translation, but it is in some others. The psalmist basically starts talking to himself. He commands himself. He's pleading with himself. He's saying, yes, my soul, trust in God. It's almost like he's talking to himself in a mirror, and he's saying to himself, self, dang it, trust in God. Be, be at peace. Be still toward God. Have, have confidence in God. And on one hand, this kind of seems a little crazy because we know that talking to yourself, it's very hard to convince yourself to feel differently, right? Or to experience something differently. I mean, think about when you're going to sleep and you can't fall asleep. Does it work to say to yourself, self, go to sleep now. Go to sleep, go to sleep. No. What do you end up doing? You end up thinking about how you're not going to sleep, right? And getting probably more frustrated. You end up thinking about all the things you have to do next week or, you know, the next day at work. You end up thinking about the thing that's keeping you up, right? You don't actually go to sleep, right? If you're, if you're feeling sad, it doesn't really work to say, hey, be happy already, right? It doesn't work like that. On the other hand, though, on the other hand, it does work surprisingly well to remind yourself or to be reminded of what is true, of what is true. And that's what he does here. He says, self, soul, trust in God already, for my hope is in him. He alone, again, is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance, my honor, my mighty rock. My refuge is in God. Self, can you please remember that? He's reminding himself of what is true, whether or not he feels it in the moment. And this surprisingly works. What happens in times when we're shaken, in times when we're panicked or when we're afraid, what happens is we allow our minds to sort of spin out of control. We start to believe things that just aren't true. Um, we start to negative self-talk ourselves to death. And it's kind of this downward spiral. We get into a hole and, it's, and it's, it's hard to get out. You know, again, when you're laying up 
in bed at night. It might not work to tell yourself to go to sleep, but it may work to remind yourself that every night of your life, you have gone to sleep. And even on those nights that are hard to sleep, you have still gotten through the next day. I used to struggle a lot on like tests in college, especially. Um, you know, I would do these complicated math, like complicated math problems. And I would, I, would, I would be doing the test and I wouldn't get something and I'd mess up and I'd start to panic. And if you've, you know, taken tests, you know that panic feeling. I'd start to panic and then I'd lose control and it would kind of spin out of control and I'd be wasting time and I wouldn't be able to do anything, right? I'm sure a lot of us who have been at school, we kind of remember what that feels like. I had to learn while I was in college to like stop and speak to myself, you know, Matt, self, soul, take a breath. You have done problems like this for the last two weeks. You have done them in homework. You have done them in, 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 in class. I was a really good student, wink, wink, wink. And so I did all my work, so I was prepared, right? You can do this because you've done it before. Now take a breath and go back about it. It didn't get me good grades because I wasn't bright enough to be doing those math problems, but it did get me through those tests. Being able to remind yourself about what is true, whether or not you feel it in the moment, but of what is true, it actually can help you get through things. That's what this psalm does. And you know what else this psalm does? And I've kind of already said it, but it reminds us that God is our refuge, that this is true. We can have faith and confidence in him, even in the worst times. You know, when our, when our faith is shaken, when our lives are shaken, what happens is, like I said, we start to believe a lot of things that aren't true, usually about ourselves, but we also start to believe things that aren't true about God. We think to ourselves, God can't be our refuge. God can't be our rock because bad things are happening, Right? There's, my circumstances have turned. It seems like the world is against me. God can't be my refuge because if God were my refuge, these bad things wouldn't be happening to me. And that's just not true. Um, a refuge is a refuge because it keeps you safe in the midst of the storm. It doesn't save you uh, from having to face a storm, but it keeps you safe. It keeps you secure in the middle of it. The psalmist continues in verse 8. He says, trust in him at all times, O people. Do you know what all times means? It means all times. Not just when things are going good, but it means when things are going bad. Not just when you're up, but, but when you're down. Not just during your success, but during your failures. Not just when you have a strong faith, but when you don't. Trust in him at all times means all times. And here's the thing about trusting him at all times. We think, you know, it's easy to trust him when things are good, right? I mean, when things are good, you could trust God because you got it good. But when things are good, do you actually trust God? What happens when things are good is you forget to trust God because you're you're good. You, you know, you're kind of sailing on easy street. Like, you don't need to trust God because things are good. And then, on the other end of the spectrum, when things are bad, when things are hard, a lot of times we don't trust God because we think it's our fault or we think God is against us. And so, you know, we run away to other, you know, cheaper, easier gods. 
other escapes, other avenues, or we just kind of give up. We run away. We hide. We don't trust God, right? There's like a small little window where we uh, typically come to trust God. It's like when things are normal and you can sense that things are about to go bad. Things haven't gone bad yet because then it's usually like too late for us, right? But you can sense things are about to go bad. And there's that small little window. It's a little sliver of time. For some people, it's like three minutes. Other people, it's like 15 minutes, right? Where you can actually say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to actually trust in God in this thing. But it's a tiny, tiny window, right? And if you miss that window, you kind of limit yourself from, from being able to trust in God. What this psalm reminds us to do is don't limit yourself like that. Trust in him at all times. Listen, when things are good, trust in God. Give him thanks. Give him, give him praise. Serve him. Give yourself to him when times are good. When times are regular, right? When times are kind of like in the middle, trust in God. Thank him that things aren't that bad. Ask him what he wants for you, where he wants you to go. Serve him in that time. When things are bad, listen, trust in God. When things are bad, open yourself up to him. When things are bad, like he says, uh, continuing in verse 8, pour out your heart before him. Pour out your heart before him. This is, this is what Michael talked about two weeks ago with the psalm of lament. Trust in him in those times especially. You know, to pour yourself out before God, it's total vulnerability. It's, it's saying to God, God, I have no one else to hope in right? I have no one else to trust and I have no one else to go to, so I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm not going to hide anything from you. I'm going to pour myself out to you because uh, you are our refuge. Now we get to part of the psalm that I think it just connects so obviously and so, and so immediately, um, it's so immediately relevant and applicable to us in our circumstances. This is this is the other thing that we're tempted to put our trust in rather than in God alone. And it starts in verse 10. He says, put no confidence in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. Now, I'm hoping for you listening at home, um, you are not putting confidence or hope in the fact that you're extorting people or that you're stealing from them, right? I, I'm, maybe you're out there, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's not you. You know, if it is, we're glad you're here. Um, but for the most part, we're not extorting and stealing from people. He's probably picturing his attackers here who were trying to uh, extort money from people who were trying to steal his position and that sort of thing. But then he says, in the end of verse 10, he says, if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Now, I imagine for most of us during this pandemic, our riches haven't necessarily increased, right? And I imagine that most of us don't think of ourselves as rich. I mean, maybe some of us would think of ourselves, even for this context, as rich, but most of us wouldn't think of ourselves as rich. But look, here's the deal. I mean, upper middle class, Monmouth County, well-to-do United States of America, 2020, for most of us, for the most part, we've got it good. For the most part, we're not wondering if there's going to be another meal right? We're not worrying where we're going to get it from. Um, all we're worrying about is whether or not we're going to like it. 
and whether or not the restaurant we want uh, can deliver you know, through DoorDash or Grubhub as fast as we hope they can, right? That's kind of where most of us are at. Um, for the most part, we don't have to worry about healthcare because we have access to hospitals and doctors and they're gonna take care of us and we've got it good in that regard. For the most part, we can count on a routine for, for the coffee to be there and the childcare to be there and the commute to be there and for our car to work and for the whole system to kind of work for us. We can reasonably count on that. We can, you know, we've got it good. We can count on our income to be there for us, um, to kind of, you know, give us the sort of lifestyle that we want. Um, for the most part, we can count on our freedom to go and do what we want to. And, you know, look, um, to not be gunned down because of what we look like. We've got it good in so many ways. To oversimplify the situation <clears throat> grossly here, if you were to divide the world into haves and have-nots, we're the haves because we have it. And the it, um, the word that I would use for it, the word is privilege. I mean, we are privileged to have it as good as we actually have it here. There are people throughout this world, throughout our country, our state, throughout Monmouth County that don't have it, that aren't privileged like we are, but we have it. What I think this pandemic has exposed for us who have it, who are privileged, it has exposed for us, for me at least it has, how much confidence we have put in our privilege. That when a, you know, a piece of our routine or something that we're used to trusting in or counting on isn't there for us anymore, you know, our, our worlds kind of get shaken so much. We have put an enormous amount of confidence into our privilege rather than into God himself. And when the haves experience a bit of what it's like to have not, the haves learn quickly what they do not have. And that is a faith that's unshakable. This happens every single time people put their confidence in their wealth, in their riches, in their income. When people put their faith in their circumstances, in the fact that they have it good, when they put their hope, their trust, and their privilege, this is what happens. This psalm that was written thousands of years ago hits today's nail on the head. We have put such confidence in our privilege and how good we have it. And we see it, it doesn't actually hold up when it's needed. And so the question that I want to ask this morning is when things go back to normal, right? When things go back to the way that we're used to they being, them being, how do we still put our confidence in God rather than our privilege? In the words of the psalm, right, how do we take our heart out of the fact that we have it so good and put it in God again, in God alone? How do we do that? Well, there's a few things that we could say. For one thing, do what we said before, Remind yourself of the truth. When you look around at your home or at your stuff, when you get your pay stub, when you, when you get your next meal, whatever it is that kind of makes you feel comfortable, that, um, that it's a kind of a sign of our privilege, right? Say to yourself, self, 
I am thankful for these things. I will not take these things for granted, but my security, my, my rock, my salvation is not in these things. It is in God and God alone. Um, come to remind yourself of what is true, that the stuff that we have that, that is good, that makes our lives comfortable or nice or easy, that makes it easy for us to trust God, that's not the stuff that we put our trust in. Say that to yourself. That's the first thing you could do. The second thing you can do, and this is an easy one, practice generosity. We are privileged, and that's kind of where we are, and that's okay. Here's the thing, though. With that privilege, we are meant to um, privilege other people. We are meant to give it away. We are meant to be generous. And so with the things that you have, give them away. Practice generosity. The very act of you giving away something that you have privileges that person and it puts you in a position where you don't have that thing anymore. So it puts you in a relative position of need. It puts you in a position to have to trust God again, to put your trust back in God alone. So practice generosity. And the final thing that you can do is learn to actually pray this psalm. Learn to actually put this psalm in good times and in bad at all times onto your lips and into your heart. Take time to actually memorize it, to actually read through it, to actually pray it, whether you're feeling it or not, because this is what's so remarkable about these psalms. That even though it might not feel like God is our rock, like God is our fortress or our refuge, He is. And it's in times that are dark that we need to know it the most. And it's in times that are dark that we panic, that we run away from God, that we seek refuge elsewhere. It's in those times that we need His words to come and be there in our hearts and our minds so that we can say them. Even if we can't muster the words ourselves, even if the only thing we can muster is anger or frustration or lament like we should. All we can manage maybe is hopelessness. All we can manage to do is nothing. In times like that, when we can't muster the words to say, this psalm and the psalms that are like it give us the words to say. They remind us that power truly does belong to the Lord and it does not belong to all of the enemies out there that are attacking us. That steadfast love for each and every one of us, for each and every one of you, belongs to God and he gives it freely. This psalm reminds us of that. It gives us what we need when we can't feel it, when we can't experience it for ourselves. And so here's what I want you to do this week. Turn off the news a little bit. Put, put down your phone, unless the Bible's on your phone. Put down your phone and memorize parts of it. You can memorize parts of this. You can. Start your day with it, right? End your day with it. Eat every meal with it, whatever it is. Take time to put it in your heart, to put it in your mind. Take time to actually pray through it. Pray through it in, in, in the words of the psalm. Try praying through it in your words. Practice saying to God, God, you are my rock. You are my deliverance, my salvation, my fortress, my refuge. I shall not be shaken because, because power belongs to you. Steadfast love for me is yours and you give it. Say that to God. Now we invite you to say that to God with us. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for this psalm that was given and that was written at a time where this, this person was struggling. 
This person was under siege. He was under attack. And he had, he had enough faith to say the things that give us confidence today. Lord, we pray for each and every one of us who are shaken. And at times in the future where we will be shaken, we pray that these words of your psalm would be on our lips and in our heart. We pray that you would show us how you are our rock. Show us how you are a mighty fortress. Show us your deliverance. Be our refuge in a way that we could experience it even today. Lord, open our hearts so that we can actually pour them out to you at all times. Lord, if, if we are in need of help, if we are in need of support, if we are in need of care, Lord, help us, help us to go to you for it. Help us to go to one another for it as well. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that you, that you are with us in this storm. Not that you make the storm go away, but that you are a refuge and we can trust in you with our lives and we can trust in you even with our deaths. We praise you, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, I should say, there's one other way to put this psalm onto your heart and onto your mind and onto your soul, and it's, it's to sing it. And so I have the privilege to invite you to sing this psalm with us. Thanks to Wendell Kimbrew and his song, I'll Not Be Shaken, based directly on the words of Psalm 62. We invite you um, to listen, to sing, to allow these words to penetrate all that you are. So as you go off into this week, you can go knowing that he is your rock, your salvation, your refuge, and you shall not be shaken.